Welcome to episode number 52 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. We are continuing our series on finances. It's a topic, obviously, that people are interested in, and it's also a topic that is vital to how God feels about how we should handle our finances. His Word is filled with instructions. Matter of fact, it's a training manual. It's an instruction manual that God placed in our hands so we can deal with the financial issues that we face each and every day in our life. And yes, finances are a daily activity. As a matter of fact, before you leave the house, you probably are going to make a financial decision as to whether you stop coffee or whether you would drive directly to your office, pick something up on the way there, but financial decisions are made each and every day. It's amazing how many times we think about whether we're going to spend a dollar here or a dollar there or $10 here or $20 there. It does go out through the day. So it's important we get a good solid foundation of what God intends for us to do with the finances that he blesses us with. Because remember, God is our source for every good and perfect gift. He is our source in finances. He is our source in blessings. He's our source in peace. And God wants to give us all that, and I believe even much more. Pray now that you'll be blessed as we get into today's lesson entitled, How to Prosper Financially. I am thoroughly enjoying these podcasts. I hope that you are also, and I pray that if you know someone who would like to receive some instruction from the Word of God on how to deal with their finances, that you would encourage them to tune into our podcast because we're going to be talking about this for a long time to come, and I know that God wants to bless every area of our life, and finances is certainly no exception. You know, when we talk about gaining financial wealth, we have questions like, well, how do I get it? And how's it going to come to me? And will I ever become rich or wealthy? And those are the things that sometimes go through our minds. And sometimes we see other people who have been blessed financially and in very large ways and others who have worked very hard and not received really much of a financial blessing. But we can't wrap up prosperity just in the realm of finances. Prosperity has to do with our entire life. It has to do with how we handle the blessings of the Lord. It has to do with, are we living at peace? Are we content? tent? Are we people who are being helpful to other people? That when we get blessed, do we bless other people? So there's a lot of things to take into consideration when we talk about prosperity. But today we're going to continue our teaching on how to understand the steps that we need to take to become prosperous financially. So let's think about kind of how people got rich. In the old days when our country first started, we were A young country, didn't have a lot of resources, didn't have a large working force, but people just stayed at home and worked and they plowed their fields and they went to work through various small companies and small factories and places that were turning out products that just basically took care of the basic needs of people in this country. But then a time later, we started seeing those people called industrialists. And the industrialists came in and said, there's got to be a better way to do that. One of the ways to become financially successful is to produce a better product. They call it making a better mousetrap. That simply means that if you've got a device that you can make or an invention you come up with, that it's a better tool or a better application than we were currently using. And they call it a better mousetrap. It's a better way to do basically the same thing or it fills a need. And a lot of ways to look at being blessed financially is that are you offering something that fills a need to other people? To prosper financially, we need to look back at the entrepreneurs in our country in the early days. Their first priority was you usually to develop a product or an idea that brought others a blessing. The automobile came that way. They wanted 
people to be able to get around faster and quicker and more efficiently. The light bulb was created so that we didn't have to sit in the dark or had to burn candles or, or kerosene, those types of things. So many people who became successful financially in the early days of our country basically brought forth a product that met a need and the byproduct of that product that they made was they became rich and many of them then even became wealthy. So I'm not saying you need to go out and do an invention, but I do say this, that if you want to be blessed in your finances, I think we should be doing something that blesses other people. I can remember as a home builder, one of the things I enjoyed about building homes, and yes, I did want to make good money. I wanted to be prosperous. I wanted to be able to bless my family and give more money to the church. And those were all wonderful goals that I had. But I can remember back in the days when I was building homes, and that wasn't all that long ago, I had a real enjoyment when payday came. Now, not for me, but when we had payday and the subcontractors would come to our office to pick up their money for the week, some wanted cash, others were happy with a check. But however we paid them, it was a very fulfilling feeling in my life because I was meeting a need for other people. We would hire them. They would do the possibly the landscaping or they would do the framing of the house or the plumbing or the electrical work or the flooring or whatever that they did. They were earning a living. And so when I gave them money, they took that money and went back home and they blessed their family. And they they bought a home or they bought a car or both and they were able to prosper and their their children went to school and some of these people sent their kids off to college. And I feel like the work that I was doing was benefiting someone else in addition to benefiting me. And I believe that's an important premise of being successful financially is that we don't just do it so that we can be rich and ignore everyone else. So I think it's something you might want to think about, whatever you're involved in in work. If you're producing a product, if you're working at some company, if you're doing something that's benefiting someone else, it's very fulfilling. And I believe it's something that you know you're being blessed with doing, and you know that the Lord will bless you as you do it and be faithful. A lot of folks think that getting rich is something that can happen overnight. They they talk about get rich quick schemes. Well, that's just what they are. They're schemes and they just don't work. You know, I'd like to be able to just give you right now, maybe in the next 60 seconds and give you some idea, some some thought or some plan that would guarantee that you would get rich quick. But that's not the way it works. As a matter of fact, that's not how God wants it to work. Because the Word of God talks about how we should gain wealth. First of all, we need to put God first. We know that. We need to realize that He is our source for every good blessing. We need to keep our life decent and in order. We need to understand that the Bible tells us, and I've used this many times before, that steady plotting brings prosperity. That's a proverb. But hasty speculation brings poverty. So it's important to understand these are steps that we take. The Bible tells us the steps of a righteous man are led of God. God. The steps, not the jumps and the leaps and the running, but basically the steps, the steady, consistent, day-to-day moving forward will bring prosperity. It may not bring as much financial prosperity as you might want, but it will bring prosperity in many areas in your life. It's crucial we understand that before we go any further. So let's get into the Word of God and look at some scriptures that tell us how to prepare ourselves physically and spiritually to receive the financial blessings of the Lord. Any project that we undertake must have a good foundation, and God's Word is our foundation. If you want to have a successful financial plan, then we need to build a spiritual foundation based upon the Word of God. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verse number 16. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. These are one of the foundational things we need to establish before we can expect to be blessed financially. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. 
that's God, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now that scripture has tremendous amount of direction and teaching. It tells us how to lay a foundation. First of all, we need to understand that God is the one that has all the riches. And it says here, let the message about Christ and all its richness. So to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is the greatest prosperity that we can ever experience in our life here on earth. But it says, let that fill our lives. And then it says to teach and counsel each other. It's important that we teach and counsel each other. It's so vital that we have other people who are Christians with the same faith that we have, that we get together and we talk together and we go to church together, we pray together and we seek counsel. I have a dear friend who's a very successful real estate developer and him and I are both Vietnam veterans. And we many times get together for coffee or for breakfast or wherever it might be. And we talk about some of the old days, some of the times when he was in business doing certain things and I was in business doing things. He was building apartment buildings and I was building homes and doing land syndications and things of that nature. And our paths crossed in a lot of ways as far as what we were doing, but we never met until later on in life. It's interesting to think that today though, I get counsel from him and and I think sometimes he thinks that I'm giving him counsel because I have that title called pastor. So therefore, I guess I'm supposed to know everything, but I really don't. But I know that I get strength in talking to him and he gets strength in talking to me. And we both get strength when we lean on God's word for direction. So it says, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives, all the wisdom that God has for us. So prosperity has to start with putting God first and then seeking wisdom, not just jump in there and start wheeling and dealing, but literally seeking wisdom from God. And then it talks about being thankful and, and singing songs to the Lord. And, and whatever you do, listen to that, whatever you do or say, listen to this, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So whatever we do, whatever we do in work, whatever we do in church, whatever we do as a father or as a husband, a parent, what it might be, whatever our life leads us to do, we need to do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. If we do that, we're going to be on the right path. So there's got to be integrity in our plan for financial success. I've done a couple of sessions on integrity and there will be more coming up where we talk about the importance of having integrity in our financial plan, understanding that God wants to bless it. He wants to bless us in the way that he wants to bless us. Not in the way that the world wants to bless, but he wants to bless us. That'll be a blessing that'll be deep and strong and have great foundation. So we need to move forward with that and trust God to guide our paths. And remember, we are his representative. Now here's step number two for how to build a good foundation for prosperity in our lives. It's found in the book of Titus and it's chapter 2 and verse number 12. And I'm reading it once again in the New Living Translation. It says in verse 12, And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Wow. We, we could learn. There's a lot to learn right there. Just if we learn to live in this world and not to, and also not to pursue the pleasures that the world has, but to live in this world with wisdom and righteousness and devotion to God. There's, there's three steps to financial and spiritual prosperity, wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. They go together. They just flow together. So if you have a financial plan, you need to seek God for wisdom. You need to seek God for righteous living and also realize that he has a plan for us where he wants to bless and he wants to prosper us, but he's got some guidelines. He's got some rules that we need to follow in order to receive his financial blessing and his instructions and his directions.
As a banker for many years, I had customers who would come in and they had great goals to become wealthy. And you could see that that was their number one goal. They weren't serving God. They were not putting their family ahead of their business. They weren't putting their their marriage ahead of their business. They had a priority that was all messed up. They didn't have God first and their wife second and their family third and their church attendance as crucial. And then down the road, work and making money. Maybe item number four or five on their list. They wanted to make money and the goal of making a lot of money the number one priority. And many of those people suffered many difficult times in their life. We need to understand that the Word of God once again has another little tip for instructions on how to prosper. It's found in Colossians chapter 2, just a few words here. Once again, Colossians chapter 2 verse 3, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if God's got all the wisdom and knowledge, I think we need to seek him. If he's the one has got all the answers, we need to seek him. So I think we'll move on now and kind of give you some steps of how to have a great plan, a successful plan for financial prosperity. I'll just give you a couple of steps here. I don't know, maybe one, maybe two, maybe eight or nine, just as the Lord leads us. First of all, pray. Seek God first. Ask for his guidance. Ask for his direction. Because if we don't have communion with God, don't have a relationship with God, then we're doing it on our own. We're basically saying, God, it's great. You got a nice word and all that stuff, but I'm just out here doing my own thing. I don't need your help now. A lot of people run around thinking they need help. Reminds me of a story about a guy who was running around looking for help, looking for help, needing someone to do this, someone to do that. And then all of a sudden he said oh god help me send someone into my life and then all of a sudden someone came into their life and helped them and took care of a need that he had and then while he was talking to that guy he stopped and said lord you know i just want you to know something i don't need your help anymore because i found someone you see god needs to get the credit for what he does god gets all the glory or god's not going to pass his blessings on to each and every one of us i believe that and i believe prayer is crucial to get started number two give to support your local church you need to establish a plan of giving we all need to set up a program program to give a portion of what we make to the church that we attend. I believe in that. If we could all support our local churches, the churches would be able to take care of the needs of its people. I believe Jesus intended for the church to take care of the spiritual needs, the financial needs, and the medical needs, the physical needs of his people by the people of Christ, the people of God who are following God, supporting a church, and the church then could literally take care of their medical bills, could take care of the needs of its people. We wouldn't need health insurance if the church did what it was supposed to do in giving its finances back to the church. They say that oh, probably only 3 or 4% of the people in the United States actually pay tie that's 10% of their income. Some studies say it might be as high as 15 or 17%, but it's regardless of what it is, that's very small. Everyone that I know wants God to bless their finances, but very few people that I know will actually give a least, at least a 10% of what they make back to the Lord. So let's just move on. Some might say, well, how'd you get that one in there? Well, I'm a pastor and a pastor is always going to talk about giving because he knows how much it'll bless God's people. The next step we should do is to get out of debt. Get a plan to get out of debt. That means set up a program that if you have a home that you do the best that you can to get paid off as fast as you can. For example, instead of getting a 30-year mortgage loan, get a 15-year mortgage loan. I mean, just, just in the terms I just said, that means you pay your house off in 15 years rather than 30 years. Now, if you can't afford the higher payment of a 15-year loan because it's going to be more than a 30-year loan, then a way that you can beat that or 
handle that is to take the loan that you currently have and pay additional principal payments if your mortgage company will allow you to do that. You need to ask them because they, they usually will do that, but some will not allow you to make additional small principal payments. So see if you can make additional principal payments every time that you pay an extra dollar on your, your mortgage. That's $1 less of interest that they're going to be able to charge you for that would go on for a period of 10 or 15 or 20 or even 30 years. So pay as much as you can. Another tip would be to pay about one extra house payment a year. If you've got 12 monthly payments, then pay an extra payment, a 13th payment that year in principal. That tip could save you as many as 10 years of payments on your house. You could pay a 30-year loan off probably closer to 20 years if you did something like that. There's other ways to do that, but first of all, have a goal, have a plan to get your house paid for. Now, I know there are investors who say out there, well, never pay your house off because if you pay your house off, then that money you put into that house, you could have invested someplace else. That's usually mentioned by people who have a larger amount of money. For example, they don't pay their house off because they're going to put it in the stock market or some other place and take the risk. The, the, the risk of investing is something that we really cannot afford early in our life. And so I'm at a supporter of steady plotting, which simply means find out a way to get out of debt. Get your debt paid off first. If you're going to invest, then you invest money that you can afford to lose. For example, if you invest $1,000 in some kind of a stock or a bond or something and it goes down and you lose it, it's not going to affect your lifestyle. It's not going to affect you making your house payment or giving your finances to the church or your family. Be careful how you invest. The number of people that I know who have lost their entire wealth that they had gained up until the age of maybe 60 or 65, where they had maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars or even millions of dollars, can wind up making an investment where they would lose everything overnight. So I'm not an investment counselor. I'm not a broker. I'm not a stock broker. I'm not a person who owns a fiduciary company relationship, but I am a person who believes in the Word of God. And I believe that steady plotting brings prosperity. And the people today that I know who are comfortable financially were those who decided to get out of debt, get their house paid for, don't continue to increase their debt, save something back every single day as best they can, or at least so much a month out of the money that they were making, give their finances to the church, and then they wind up like my dad did. He was 62 years of age, never made a lot of money in his life, but at 62 years of age, he retired. My mother retired. My dad's house was paid off. He was able to pay cash for any car that he ever needed. He believed in a steady plan of steady plotting. It would bring prosperity, and it did. In the last 20 years of his life, he didn't have to worry about finance. He didn't have any issues with money issues. He didn't have a house payment. And I believe that's a blessing. But remember, get seek good professional counsel. And remember, I'm not counselor in the area of investments. I'm just someone to teach you the word of God and tell you what I believe are you know, the proper steps to take to become financially successful. All right, another thing we need to do after we get out of debt, or should say, probably should have had this in a little different order, probably need to get a budget going before we worry about getting out of debt. Now, the word budget is a word that a lot of people don't like, but it's one that I truly believe in. It's one that I have told my church. I've said, now, how many people out there have a financial budget? And they don't raise their hands because it's kind of a nervous thing to do. I ask them then, how many people here expect the church that you're attending to have a budget? Well, 100% of the people will raise their 
their hand for that. And then I'll say, now everyone close your eyes so no one's looking around. How many people actually have a budget at home that you actually follow and you've set up and you, you work on it every single week and make sure you stay within that budget? Less than 10% of the people would raise their hands. And when you get right down to the bottom line, there's very few people, I would think it's probably 5% of the people that I have counseled over the last 30 or 40 years in the area of getting out of debt who actually have a budget where they know what it costs them to live on a month-to-month basis. So make that a priority in your finances. This is a simple step. It's an easy step. It's a very basic step, but it's a vital step. And that is to set up an expense account. Make a list of all the things you're spending money on and determine if the income you have coming in is enough to pay for that. Now, I've said this many times before, but I think I need to repeat it right now. Most of the people that I counseled over the last 30 or 40 years when it came to their finances were spending anywhere from $300 to $800 more a month than what they were actually making. And then to, to, to answer you, how do they how do they do that? How do they, where do they get the money from? Well, it's called credit cards, or it's called refinancing their house and taking equity out of their home, or it's called borrowing money from friends or family or getting additional loans. Whatever it might be, we've got to get back to where we spend what we make. And we live with what I call living below our means. What That's not a negative thing. That means l- spending less than we make. Living below our means, basically a definition is we spend less than we make and we save a portion of everything we make. Let me give you a little rule, a guideline. I think that'll help you. Give 10% of the money that you earn to your church. Give 10% to yourself in a savings account or a special plan or some kind of investment program or debt reduction to get out of your, get out of the loan that you have on your house and then live on the 80% of what you make. And as your income goes up, keep that same principle intact. And you watch and you wait and see that God will bless you. you you're going to be debt free. You're going to have money in the bank. You're going to be comfortable and you'll experience financial prosperity if you just set some of these guidelines and some of these rules into your life. I believe it's truthful and I know because it works in my own life. The final thing I want to give you a little tip on and that is that we all need to gain wisdom. Now we've talked a little bit about wisdom over the last several weeks of my podcast but I want to spend a little bit more time today on it because wisdom is just so vital. A lot of people throw terms around today that I, I, I dislike immensely. Things like it's a no-brainer. Now that statement to me shows you you don't have any brains because a no-brainer means this. You don't even have to think about it. You just simply just do it because it's just the right thing to do. Well, that that doesn't make any sense at all. A no-brainer means that you're not relying on your own thoughts, your own plans, your own experiences, your past history. You're not getting advice from someone else. You're not seeking wisdom or direction from someone else. You're just making a decision because you don't even have to think about it. Well, I know what it's like to make a no-brainer decision because in business there were times that I did no-brainer decisions that turned out to prove that I didn't have any brains in that particular situation. I can remember times when I would buy a piece of property and I would think, oh, that's going to be no big deal. That's going to be simple. That's what we call a slam dunk, which simply means that's going to be easy to do. See, in basketball, they, they have ways of scoring baskets. One is they shoot the baskets from a distance out and try and put the ball through the hoop. And another one's called a slam dunk. A slam dunk where a great big guy will jump up in the air and he'll slam or throw the basketball through the hoop and that's a 
easiest way to make a basket. So that's where the term slam dunk came from. Maybe you didn't need to know that, but nonetheless, it's out there. So take it or do whatever you want to with it. But we've got to gain wisdom. So let's get back into the Word of God and read a couple scriptures talking about the significance and the importance of wisdom and where that wisdom comes from. Let's go all the way back into the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse number 8. Powerful scripture, wonderful thoughts, but put this into your heart, receive this, and then wait for the Lord to speak to you and give you the direction that you need when it comes to making financial decisions decisions and knowing what his will will be in the situation and knowing exactly what his thoughts might be. It's found in, once again, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 in the New Living Translation. My thoughts, here's what God is saying, are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You see, God wanted to make it very clear that even though he's given man a mind, he's given us the ability to reason, to think, to evaluate, to make judgments, to do things according to the wisdom that he's given us, he wants us to understand that we should turn to God because he wants to bless us. You see, the verse before that, it said, verse 7, let the wicked change their way and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. We serve a generous God. If we serve a generous God, which the word tells us that we do, if we receive that generosity in our spirit, then we will receive his generosity of wisdom and his knowledge and his thoughts. So then we can say things like, I went to the Lord for direction. I read the word of God to see what he would have me to do. I sought counsel from godly people. You see, if we make it consistent, we'll be founded in relying on God's thoughts and his ways and his ability and his strength and his wisdom and his understanding. And when we have that, then we have everything. Matter of fact, some people today refer to it as it's a God thing. And I think they use it a little loosely from time to time. I don't particularly like that statement. But what they're saying is it's all about God. It's something that God brought forth. It's something that God made happen, that they were blessed. And it's a God thing. It's something that God did. We need to give God the credit and all the glory for it. And we need to seek his wisdom. We need to seek his thoughts and his understanding and his ways. And when we do that, then we won't make that silly mistake that simply says something like, oh, it's a no-brainer because no-brainers basically will cause us a lot of grief. I've had several times, like I said earlier, where I've made decisions that was a no-brainer. It turned out to be that way, where I bought property that turned out to be something that was negative, something that was harmful to my finances, something that was harmful to our business. And I really regretted it. But many times the reason I would make a bad decision is because I didn't spend enough time in prayer. I didn't pair enough time financially into it to make sure what the budget was going to be like on that project. I didn't do my due diligence. Remember, due diligence is is a course of action that we take to evaluate and determine whether we should do something or not, whether we should make a certain financial decision. So make sure that you understand that wisdom is crucial in this. Matter of fact, since I'm on the topic of due diligence, let's just take a second and talk about that. Today in real estate, there's a lot of people that are out there buying houses and the real estate market is going up a lot. Prices are surging. It's very common for a person to want to buy a home, say it's $300,000 or $500,000, and unless they make an offer of at least 10% higher than that, say thirty dollars or $50,000 or $60,000 higher, they'll have absolutely no chance of buying the home because there's kind of a frenzy of people buying homes. People that are just out there buying and buying and buying, many times they'll even want to purchase a home without doing an inspection on that home, and that's a big mistake because the demand for homes is heavy. People are saying, well, I waive the inspection. I won't require the 
check things out. I just want to get the house just like it is and take it just like it is and I'll take all the chances and all the risk. Now if you've got the financial substance to fix all the potential problems there, there would be, then maybe that's okay. But bottom line, let's make sure that we do our due diligence. Our due diligence means we check things out, we verify whether you can build what you want to build there or where you can improve things you want to improve there or whether you can repaint the house or not or whether the sewer is in or not. Those are all things that we do to take steps to verify that what we're purchasing, what we're buying is a good investment and it's something that will not come back to us with all kinds of problems. There was a there was a movie made many, many years ago. It was called The Money Pit. And it was about a young couple who bought, I believe it was their first house. And they just bought the house because it looked so pretty on the outside. They didn't do any due diligence. They didn't check anything else out. They just simply said, well, that's it. Let's buy it. And the movie is all about all the problems they had, how the roof was caving in and the floors were falling in and the door would come off the front of the house. And it was just a nightmare. And they called it a money pit because all they were doing is pouring money, more and more money into that house because they did not do all the due diligence they should have in order to make a proper investment. So our due diligence as Christians, as followers of Christ, is to do all the things that I've talked about. The tips that I've given you were things like being faithful to your church, being faithful in prayer, get a plan to get out of debt, give financially to your church, be sure you have a good budget. And those are all simple steps, but many people don't take those steps and they go about making financial decisions that are not really properly set up, properly prepared, and properly investigated. So with that, I'm going to wrap this up now and pray that God will bless you. I hope you've got something out of this. It's a little different teaching than I normally do, but it's something I believe will bless you, and I pray that you have received something from it. So Father, I pray now that you would bless those who have heard this teaching today, and I hope they wouldn't just hang up right now, Father, but they would just listen, Father, to this blessing. I pray, Lord, that you would pour on a blessing, Father God, that they couldn't even receive they couldn't hold on to it. It'd be so great. I pray that they would prosper, Father God, in all that they do, Lord. Wherever they put their hand, Father, you're going to bless it and touch it, Father. Wherever they step, wherever they take a step, Father, they can claim that for you, God. And I believe, Lord, that you want to bless your people. I believe you want to prosper us. And I believe that you want your followers, Father, to be successful in all that they do. I thank you, God, for this opportunity. And I do pray, pray Father, a rich blessing on everyone who've tuned in today, Father God, that they receive your word, that they receive the goodness that's in your word, Father. And Lord, that they truly now have gained one step closer to learning what it would be like to prosper financially. Thank you for it and give you praise now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.